listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Kink in the Chain podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel, and as always, we have... Ritz Cracker. Yeah, we're back for another week. We haven't quit on you yet. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah, totally amazing. <laughs> Especially with work season. Ooh, busy work season. Between you and me, my listeners, I'm surprised she hasn't run screaming yet. <laughs> I think you were lady would hurt me. Why would that be? <laughs> She likes you. Oh, I know. Your lady <laughs> likes me, and she likes that I help out and have a smiley face on my face all the time. Yes, you do. I, I wish this was a video podcast sometimes, but... Uh, yeah, we can always do that once I stop working with who I work with. Mm. Mm-hmm. But now, I, I mean, because I'm wearing this awesome squirrel suit, and you're dressed like a giant buttery Ritz cracker. It's... What? No, I'm not. You're not? No, I'm just... I have a box sitting next to me. I eat Ritz crackers. <laughs> Oh, my mistake. <laughs> it's okay. I don't I don't like dressing up as a cracker. I am a cracker. My skin is white like a cracker. And, you know, <laughs> Ritz crackers are the most delicious cracker ever made. Well, we've got a very exciting show for you this week. We've got a number of questions from you, the viewing audience, an article, and a product review, which is always great. I hope you all enjoyed our interview last week with Puppy Fifi. That, she was a blast to talk to. Sorry you couldn't be here, Ritzy. It's okay. Life sometimes gets in the way of things. Yeah, and considering that person was in the East Coast, I mean, it was kind of a, a pain in the butt to schedule. So yeah. I'm glad we got it done, though. So I hope you all enjoyed that. But now, let's get on with the show. Woo! So our article this week is about ending BDSM relationships. And uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one here who can say that it is quite difficult to end a relationship in general, much less a BDSM relationship. Usually in the case of most communities, uh, the BDSM community is such a small subset that if you choose to keep pursuing the BDSM community, you're going to continue to see that person. I would say that that you and I, Ritz Cracker, are fairly fortunate in that regard, that uh, we don't hate each other's guts at this point. No, we don't. Uh, 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 wait, wh- wh- what's with that knife? <laughs> no. no, actually, we like each other now. So, uh, for for those listeners who we don't liked each other for a long time, this is true. And for those listeners who didn't know her, uh, Ritz Cracker and I used to date. So, a long, long time, time ago. ago, yeah, in a galaxy far, far away, or in a dungeon far, far away. We really realize that we are great friends. Yes, we are. We do a good job and good co-hosts on a podcast. So. Yes. So. The synopsis of this article, in short, is just simply how difficult it is to end a relationship, especially if you're on the submissive side, because it feels somewhat of a betrayal of the DS relationship. It feels like you're, to, to get out of it can be very, very difficult. What, what did you think about this article, Ritzy? I was trying to compare it to my other relationships, and I realized that I'm a top, so I don't, it's really easy for me to get out of relationships, because I'm like, it's over, contract broken. Don't care about your feelings. Gone. Stepping away from you. You're out of my life because you messed up. And I was like, well, that's kind of mean. It is. <laughs> I, and that's hurtful. And I realized, oh, I shouldn't do it that way. I should be like... So I forget, submissives have a whole different mindset and personality than I do. 
as a top. They do. Especially because trying to end a relationship can feel, like I said, someone of a betrayal. It can feel like you don't have the right to end the relationship as a submissive. You're just, you're being told to do. So if you're being told to stay in the relationship, then leaving that relationship is just not an option unless the top tells you you can. But as with anything in life and, and BDSM in general, we are still people first and we have to advocate for ourselves. And there are some times when you have to say, sir or ma'am, fuck you, I'm leaving. It's simple as that. But that can be very difficult, especially in a small community. But I think that can be any difficult in any relationship, though, not just BDSM relationships. Like any relationship you're in, the breakup is always the hardest part. Like leaving, making that decision, deciding to separate. Like right now I'm working with a friend who's going through a divorce and, and their BDSM was a relationship and then they got married legally by state and then now they're divorcing and they have children involved and everything else. So they have to split everything, move everything around, sell their great house with the great dungeon in the basement. You know, things like that is happening. So, But then with a BDSM relationship, especially the BDSM community, it's a very small, tight-knit community. And I've often seen when two people break up, one partner pretty much has to exit the community if, in most cases in some of the, maybe not in some of the larger communities, but most of the communities I've ever been at are not large. So you, you know, if you want to keep going to the one dungeon in town or the one house party, you're going to still see that person. It can be very difficult. Well, yeah. Um, when I do breakups, I actually remove myself from my community for about six months. I know it's not healthy because the community is there to help you, but to separate myself from that person, um, give them the space that they can go play because I can play privately and be fine. I don't need the public play spaces as much as some people do. So um, being able to do that. So one of the things that I've seen a lot in the community um, and they can be, this applies to vanilla relationships as well, but especially in BDSM relationships and especially when it's the sub that ends the relationships Sometimes there can be this perceived fear that the sub doesn't want to talk to that dominant. Um, I've, I've heard of relationships ending when the sub just took their collar off, set it on the table, and walked out, uh, packed their bags, and left if they were living at that, at that house. And while sometimes that's a good way to get away from your abuser, definitely, getting out of that situation, it does create a problem that I can, I've seen in the past where the top doesn't necessarily know what they did wrong or that there, even that there was an issue to begin with. And so then they get into another relationship and commit the exact same error over and over again. Yeah, but some of the problems I've seen before is with breakups is that um, then there becomes this victim-blaming thing that happens some, in some communities where the submissive is like, oh no, he was horrible to me. So, And then they blame the top for all the problems in the relationship. So like white knighting where in, when the sub comes out, oh my god, and everybody flocks around them and Top's just standing there in an empty room going, hello, you didn't hear my side of the story. Right, so I've seen that happen quite a few times, sad to say, and I think that's that's hard also when you're breaking up as you're thinking like, is that going to happen to me? Am I going to get arrested because my submissive decided to leave and then report me for sexual abuse? Indeed, it can... Tops have a tremendous burden and a tremendous liability when they're in a relationship because a single accusation in at least more recent times can completely destroy a person's reputation, even even if it's not true. It can just be, oh my God, they violated my consent. 
But then nobody asks, okay, how did they do it? He or she violated consent. Oust them from the community. They're gone. My solution is I give people or try to give people an out. Like, okay, so if this is, um, if you want to end this, this is two ways to do this. Like, write me a letter, leave it with your caller. Or tell me face to face and then call her. I might ask a couple questions, but I won't stop you. If you really want to leave, leave. I'm not going to control that situation. If you don't feel safe or you don't want to be in this relation because you're not happy anymore, you're not emotionally attached anymore. There's a lot of reasons people leave relationships, but I mean, as a sub, you, you always have to advocate for yourself. You always need to do what needs to be done for you. Some of the advice we've given other caller or other listeners in the past, the, the ones about like having a black hole at the club where when your partner walks in, they know they don't exist, don't interact with them. I, I know that can be hard in small communities, and it can be especially hard if those people are considered leaders in the community. So I do understand how that can be perceived, especially if they have high amounts of credibility. I myself have been privy to this, I suppose, with one particular partner, but I, in my case, I tried to make that person feel welcome and let them burn their own house down rather than try to bring me down with them. But they tried. They tried to bring you down with them. Oh, yes, they very much did. Um, that was drama from another day. Yeah, very much so. I, I haven't checked on that person in a long time. I probably shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> It'll just bring up more drama again. You don't want more drama. But I legitimately, as the top in that relationship, I did care about that person, and I didn't want them to exit the community or whatever, but they were content on trying to destroy themselves, so there you go. Trying to set the house on fire while they're still in it, but hey, whatever. But anyway, I think this article was, was really, really um, interesting, and it, it in essence, it's somewhat of a... We, we could spend hours just pulling questions out of this particular article that for relationship each one of these paragraphs is, is a separate question from somebody i'm sure somewhere so definitely check it out it's a really interesting read i agree and now for our first ever well not first ever but we did a toy review last time uh, yeah a couple yeah. times ago uh, that's true we did well we we like to review toys here or review different items that people send us their little sponsors so this first toy is from zalo and it is a rose ball gag. It is a ball gag with a rose on the end of it. Yeah, and so Rope Squirrel made me use it. My Rope Squirrel's like, here, try it. I didn't put it in my mouth. I'm like, okay. And then took some pictures of me. It's very, very mean. But, you know, it is actually not that. It's actually a really nice piece of equipment. I like the color. I like the the materials it's made i am not sure what types of materials it's made out of but it is really well made i really like the carry container that it comes with too the little soft comfortable bag i just spent like five minutes rubbing it on my face i'm like oh my god this is so soft and then uh you're putting the gag on me was actually not as bad as i think make it out to be because i do have problems with gags but this one was comfortable it didn't cut into my skin or into my head um and there's, you could put the rose in or you don't have to, which is a nice thing. The rose just adds that element of beauty to a scene, I guess you could say. little elegance. A little elegance. That's a better way than beauty. <laughs> a little elegance to your scene. Then it's, it's black and gold with a red rose. So 
I was going to make her wear the gag for the entire podcast, but, you know, that would kind of, then she might as well not even be here. And I could just go, the whole podcast. (laughs) Be the most eloquent advice you've given anyone and nobody can understand a word you're saying because you're gagged. Yes, but it's an elegant gag. So it would have been elegant advice through an elegant gag. Yes. So my listeners, if you're interested in this product, I'll have photos of it in the description as well as links to the person's website. So please show them some love. And uh, if you do buy it from them, please let them know that you got it from us, from us here at Kink in the Chain. We love to to demonstrate products. And if you have a product or if you are a, a company that makes a product and you'd either like to be on the show or send us product to review... Just reach out to podcast at kinkinthechain.com. We'd be happy to review your product on air. And uh, we are still doing that Motor Bunny review at some point on air, so that'll be fun. I thought we did that one. Well, we were going to have people writing. Oh, we were going to have people. That's right. We were actually going to have them doing this, the podcast with us while they're writing them. Ah, yeah. I remember that now. Yep. So we're going to have to make all of our uh, peoples ride them every time they do interviews now. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that sounds amazing. I, I'm I'm currently in talks with Motor Bunny for they have something called the Motor Bunny Club. It's just about people riding motor bunnies, and I'm gonna see if maybe we can get them on the show and that they can ride while they're uh, while we're interviewing them. And I guess we'll ride in solidarity. Or, ooh, idea we could cross connect with the Motor Bunny link, and we can control theirs, and they can control ours. Mm. Sounds like fun. <laughs> The, is there's smoke coming out of his brain. He's working too hard over here, thinking about all of this awesome stuff that he wants to do on yeah. a show that you can't see us. <laughs> and how I'm going to filter out the noise of the motor bunny so we can actually hear the people doing the interviews. Right, there's a lot of technical issues mm. <laughs> with this idea. Not even sure if I can do that, but we'll try. Our first question comes to us from Kayla in South Carolina. And she writes, My scenes are becoming stale. I try and try to come up with creative things, but it never seems to work, and I end up reverting back to my old tried and true. Do you have any advice to get my fires of creativity burning once more? I'm worried people may lose interest in playing with me, and if I can't, to borrow a comedian saying, come up with some new material. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to the dollar store, take $10, and buy 10 items, and then use those in a scene. Or have the bottom go to the dollar store with $10 and they buy 10 toys for a scene. Hmm. So then they show up with toys you've never seen. Yes. And you've never played with. And it actually, you know, adds something interesting into scenes. And you just do this randomly. You don't have to do it every single scene that you do. Just like once in a while, like, hey, we've played for a while. How about, how about we make this more interesting? How about you go pick out the toys and see what happens? Hmm. That's a good idea. And the dollar store is great for kink toys. I don't know if anybody else knows this, but going to the dollar store is amazing because you can find so many cheap things that are super fun for scenes. Even like things that tie up people, things to gag people, things to hit people with. I mean, there is so many candles. They sell candles. I mean, they sell so much stuff and I, I, I get a kick out of it. The dollar store is a fun place. The other method that I've used in the past is uh, called dreamstorming. And what that basically means is right as you go to bed, you start thinking about the end goal of your scene, not necessarily the toys you're going to do it with. It really depends if you dream a lot. If, it, if you don't dream a lot, this doesn't really work very well. But I, I unfortunately or fortunately have dreams that are pretty much 
every night. I do too. So if you go to bed thinking about, okay, so I want to do X, whatever X might be, not necessarily with toys specifically, you just go, I want to do X. Then you go into that dream state. That's the same thing if you have a problem in real life. You can uh, think about it right before you go to bed and your brain will spend all night working on it. And when you wake up, it should just be in your brain. Just like, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. So it's like, well, I want to do something new that involves a rubber chicken. And then in the morning, you're like, oh, my God, I can build a rubber chicken launcher with rubber bands and shoot giant rubber chickens at people. Or I can paint them up and coat them in liquid latex and turn them into a giant rubber chicken. Or You're getting some really weird looks from me, aren't you? Yes. I thought so. <laughs> it just stopped all suddenly and you're like looking at me. I'm like, hmm, rubber chicken, huh? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're, you're fantasizing now? You want me to beat you with a rubber chicken? I mean, I already do that. Yeah, you know you do. You actually carry two in your toy box. Four. Four now. Okay. <laughs> so last time I checked his, his toy box, he only had two, but now he has four. He has obsession with rubber chickens. Because they're funny. You pull them out and they go, oh, that's so cute. Then you hit them when they go, oh, Jesus, that hurts. It's okay. I've beaten somebody with an empty paper roll towel. You know, the, the cardboard that comes in the middle of a paper roll or paper towel roll. And I take that piece and I just beat somebody with it. It's it's funny to me because, or that, or I do scenes where <laughs> I'm like, okay, somebody just hand me a toy and I just yell it out. And then people just hand me stuff and I start beating the person with whatever I get handed. And another technique that I have, I borrow from Destination Imagination or Odyssey in the Mind, if any of you know what those things are. It is a creative problem solving competition. But one of the tasks that they do to kind of warm up is you stand in a circle with a bunch of other people. And you pass around just any mundane object, or a weird object if you really want to, but a mundane object, usually we say a shoe. And you start passing it around the circle. Now, obviously this involves having multiple people, but you could do it yourself. And what you have to do is you have to name uses for that item. So at the start, people are obvious, like, well, put it on your foot. Okay, a shoe, put it on your foot. And then it's like, use it as a flower pot. Okay, fine. Uh, Throw it at someone. Okay, we could do that. Uh, you could eat it, survive off of it. Okay, fine. And you just keep doing this. Keep going around the, the uh, circle, or in your case, through your mind, just keep passing it to yourself. Going through each use and try to find a creative solution. And what this will do, not necessarily, I mean, you're not passing a whip around, but this will help you start thinking of alternate uses for the toys you already have. You may think, hmm, well, I could, oh, I could do that with that toy. I know that's not what it was designed for, but I could definitely do that with that toy. Toys have multi-uses. They do. They do. The expensive ones, some cheap ones. As we say, anything's an insertable with enough lube. Oh, well, yeah, that's true, too. I've (laughs) I've inserted, like, bowling pins and, you know, glow sticks. Glow sticks are amazing. Um, I'm just trying to think of all the other stuff that I... Random things I find help, and then the toys I do have have multi-uses. I don't... Except for certain things like my fire cups, for example. I can't really do much with them outside of fire cupping because they're glass and they're fragile so if something weird happens to them they might shatter so it doesn't work for every toy but it does work for some toys i have people who i call my kinky mirrors that uh and it's weird some of the these most of these people that i have are vanilla they're they're not kinky at all but if i take an idea that i'm thinking of and i toss it at them though because they don't have any basis in the kink world they're able to come up with more weird ideas that I can sometimes tailor down just a little bit to work. But I, so I'll toss them my idea and they'll toss it back to me like 10% kinkier. And it's like, yes, that's a great idea. I love it. Let's do it. 
it's it's weird that some of the vanillas are are somewhat better at kink than i am and of course porn now wait wait i know what you're thinking porn's not real it, it is not but some of the stuff they can come up with if you can bring it down to reality just a little bit is pretty darn creative i I mean, I besides the guy who does deviant designs, who I, I consider my spirit animal. I mean, he is freaking amazing, but he's more of a nerd than anything else. He makes uh, torture devices out of small microcomputers and has weird little uh, tasks that his submissive has to to do. Like uh, he put a one of those wooden mazes that has the ball in it that you have to rotate to get the ball through the maze, except the ball is made of metal and there's two contact points, and so she had it's suspended between two cuffs in the middle of the box and she has to get it from point a to point b as fast as she can otherwise she gets shocked and it's like that's pretty creative or he just unveiled his glove cuffs today where she has to keep her hands clasped if she doesn't if she opens her hands she gets shocked so she has to just keep her hands together the entire time it's like that i mean okay those are geeky sure but if you go just into regular porn, you can find some pretty interesting ideas. And if, again, you bring them down to reality just a little bit because porn isn't real. Stefanos and Shay will tell you that. Uh, but if you can bring them down to reality, you can introduce those into the dungeon and have a whale of a good time. So I, have a, I, I was just thinking about my porn collection. I watch a lot of hentai. I mean, we could do tentacle porn if that's what you mean. Yeah, I was just trying to think. I was like, how can I take that and make it real? <laughs> like, it's some of the stuff I watch is really way out there with invisible women and all that other fun stuff. I mean, yeah. Well, like, um, let's just let's just move down that rabbit hole for a second. So we've got let's we'll start with tentacle porn. It's the easiest one I can think of. Okay. You know, long stockings little bit of paint you could easily make a tentacle with your hand and like slap them in the face with it or suction something suction cups yeah you know, attach suction cups to it little arts and crafts going on here but yeah we could definitely do that uh, make it kind of the thing we could let's see the invisible person i mean we could do the blindfold thing that would work pretty well i do a lot of seven minutes in heaven where i actually blindfold them and put headphones on them so they listen to music and then i have like seven people touching them so they don't exactly know who's doing what <laughs> to them. You know what you can do is put a bunch of things in a hat and then draw things out at one at a time. Like, here we go. Oh, I get to use this paddle and then have it like a body part in a different hat. Like, you know, those dice yeah. that you roll with body parts and different actions. Do the same thing with your toys and body parts and have like two different piles of papers and pull out. So you can still use the same toys that you already have, but you make the scene a little interesting. Hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah. My final piece of advice, I think, would be to bring in a third. And I found that uh, either a third top or usually a third top, but sometimes a third bottom uh, into that scene can be a uh, can really get your juices flowing because you can then play off of that person. And if uh, in the case of two tops, if you're running out of ideas, you can just defer to that top and say, you know, hey, you t take over for a minute. Like, and they'll start doing things and you'll you'll join in and go oh my god we should do this now and so then you then you you follow then you take control again and and keep switching back and forth and with two bottoms it can just be a different dynamic where then suddenly you do a uh, somewhat of a predicament scene between the two of them you're just like okay i'm gonna make i'm gonna hit you but you have to remain completely still or something like that i get a lot of creativity sparks when i'm in the middle of a scene honestly pre-planning scenes is somewhat dull for me <laughs> 
Uh, it's more technical, more of like, what do I need to bring, not what am I going to do? But then I get in the scene, it's like, hmm, I think, ooh, this will be fun. I'll do this and this and this. And I think that's that's what I usually do. Right. So hopefully that helps give you some new ideas. Try those out and see if that works for you. Yes, thank you, Kayla. I know we've been getting a lot of questions from our listeners, and thank you all, but there's a question that I would like to address today that seems to be an issue with a lot of people that I've been around with lately, and that's a body image issue. We're just, I'm going to brainstorm here with Rope Squirrel and try to come up with some ideas, and this might help a variety of different listeners as well, is that people are not feeling beautiful in their skin. They're comparing themselves to other people. They feel ugly. They feel like they're not adequate for specific players um we've been having a lot of problems with rope players for example like a lot of the guys will only tie up the skinny pretty girls and so a lot of the curvy women are having problems as well and they feel bad about themselves so i just wanted to bring up that question so what do you do in that situation well in general the person that i am playing with i don't usually i okay i i'd be lying to myself if i said i didn't have body image issues i think everybody pretty much does even even the people who you think are the prettiest still have something that they don't like about themselves. I don't think there's there's any way to prevent that. We're always comparing ourselves against other people. What I end up doing, though, is I focus solely on the person that I'm playing with and not as a point of uh, I'm looking at their flaws or anything like that. No, I mean, I'm playing with that person. I don't really care what anybody else around me is doing or what they look like. I am focused on the person or people I'm playing with, and that is it. And that has really helped me... F- not notice the people around me and just basically just focus on what I'm doing. Because I know I have body issues because I'm a curvy woman, but I usually focus on the good parts of my body. Like my boobs, for example, I have amazing boobs. They're like pillows. And I'm just like, Hey, come give me a hug. You are perfect boob height. So, you know, embrace the boobs, love the boobs. Even though I really hate my stomach and my weight issues that I've been having, my body issues that I've been having. So, I'm able to embrace the parts of my body that are great, even if I have issues with others. But I know that some people don't, can't do that. And trying to give them advice like that sometimes doesn't work. Or sometimes like, you really need to just go to a therapist and talk it out. Well, and obviously you can wear your power clothes. That's how I usually get over when I have body image issues. I mean, I don my leather and I, I strut my stuff and I'm like, I am powerful. And that's how I see myself. Because I'll be standing on stage with a bunch of other presenters and some of them who've been around for much longer than I have and are freaking gorgeous hunks of man flesh. Um, sorry, little by there. Um, but I, I don my leather and go, this is me. I am Rope Squirrel. I am a powerful leatherman and I am ready to go. And I think that that has helped me significantly because... People have seen me in somewhat of a leadership and educational role. There's no time to look at my flaws. They're in in awe, kind of. It's, it's how I feel, anyway. <laughs> I like buying outfits. I like, you know, making myself cute and wearing cute outfits, changing my persona, making myself look cute. Um, and no, it's not good for everybody. It's not going to please everybody. It's not going to make everybody think that I'm cute. But at least some people who I know and I play with, I interact with definitely yeah your 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 clothing your choice of attire can can certainly help and of course the the old thing of you know if you don't like something about yourself 
you know, work to change it. If it's really that big of a deal to you, if you're if your belly is is large or you've got you know bad skin or whatever it is you know you can work to change that i'm not saying you should but if it's really that big of a deal that's going to make you feel a lot better of course as soon as you solve that you're going to move on to the next thing you don't like about yourself oh my god i got flabby arms or whatever it's a never-ending battle but at least if you are working towards it you'll feel better about yourself i, I think it's the same thing that uh, people think about when they go to the gym because they walk in there and see all these very athletic people who are, are very toned, and, and you know you're 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 not toned in any round is a shape, right? It's a type of shape. It is shape. <laughs> so is pear. So is hourglass. So is there's a lot of shapes. But walking into a gym, you know, even if you when you walk out of there, you know, you've just done a whole set, you're sweating, and you're feeling the endorphins and everything else, it's going to really help you feel that you know you're accomplishing something and not necessarily comparing it you're not you're not using other people as a measuring stick but you're walking out of there like well i'm moving towards my goal and i think that usually helps people so even if you're if there's something you're you don't like about yourself just start working on it don't go overboard just start working on it because that'll make you feel a lot better are you going to take your own advice here rip squirrel hey i've been going to the gym three times a week for almost two years now yeah look at you and it hasn't gotten rid of my belly but <laughs> if you'd stop drinking beer no really guys he, he doesn't drink beer but <laughs> juice juice, juice. <laughs> i'm a sucker for limeade unfortunately and i'm a sucker for cheesecake cake cookies brownies and ritz crackers and ritz crackers <laughs> with cheese and meat on them and oh yeah so in short my listeners don't try to compare yourself to everyone else. Always work toward bettering yourself, but don't use other people as a measuring stick and then, or take that measuring stick and beat yourself with it. I mean, that's the only way to, because to, if you continually are judging yourself against what you perceive are standards that you can never measure up to, you're never going to be happy. So work on yourself if you wish, but just be happy in your own skin. Most people there are probably thinking the exact same thing as you, and I don't mean in your flaws. I mean they're thinking they're flawed and you're beautiful. Uh, I'll, I'll bet you that we go to the club, and I'll bet you there's a ton of, of women that go, oh, my God, I wish I had Ritzy's boobs. Yeah, there is. <laughs> and so, you know, and, but they, and they may be a looker, but, uh, you know, every, nobody's ever happy with themselves. So no. work on yourself. Don't let other people tell you what – Except for your doctor, of course. <laughs> they say you have to lose weight. That's one thing. But don't let other people dictate how you think you should look. Thank you all for letting me rant like that. <laughs> all right. And now for our third question. It comes to us from Mary in New York. And she writes, I know all kinds of people and lots of people have asked to play with me. I'm hesitant because I don't know if they are safe or not. How can I find out? Well, this is a problem that we run into with pickup play a lot, because especially if you're new to the community, you literally know and nobody at that point. Or you can do what Rogue Squirrel does, and he Googles you first. I mean, this is true. <laughs> if I'm communicating with you on any kind of, well, especially on Fat Life, you know, I'll go and look and see who your friends are and and whatnot, just to make sure that that you're okay but i think the biggest thing you need to do is just literally become part of the community we do a pretty good job i think in general as a community of policing ourselves 
And you can definitely ask someone for references. If you they're going to play with you, you can be like, so who have you played with before? Either top or bottom, it doesn't matter. Can I speak with those people? You know, I'd just like to get to know you. And But as you start becoming more involved in the community, you'll be able to run those kinky background checks and be able to say, well, this person... You, you can ask somebody, like a leader of the community, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that person. They know their stuff. Or uh, I don't know them all that well. I'm not saying a kinky background check should be an immediate disqualifier, but it definitely should be included with all the rest of your information. And, of course, go with your gut. If somebody is rubbing you the wrong way and they're supposed to be rubbing you the right way, then don't play with them. Simple as that. Or watch them play with others before you play with them. The other thing I've been told is when you're doing your negotiating, the the way you can really tell if somebody knows their stuff is to ask them a question such as, what do I need to know that I have not asked? And most tops who are worth their salt, uh, if you're you're looking for the top side, will immediately go, that is a great question. You should know this, this, and this because this could happen. And if they're able to do that, if they're able to tell you the things that you didn't even think to ask, um, they usually at least know what they're doing. Whether or not they're a trustworthy individual is a completely different thing, but at least they technically know what they're doing. I also recommend playing with those people as hard as it can be at dungeons or public events first. Uh, Don't go to their house and play first. Get to know them in a public setting. Uh, If they refuse to come to a public setting, that is definitely something that is a little bit worrisome, although some people legitimately have worries about going to public settings because of their job or something like that. Again, this is something to just add to the possible red flag, not the instant raise of a red flag. I mean, I'll still meet people at a coffee shop, even though I have my job. My job is what I, I work for the government, so, you know, that can be an issue. She's a spy. Yeah. I am, and it's pretty scary of what I can and can't do. But anyway, I'm willing to go to a place like that and meet in public, like a restaurant or a coffee shop. I always find it a red flag if they're not willing to do that. They're like, oh, I'll meet you at your house. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know who you are. I don't really want to trust you coming through my door. You might steal something or hurt me and leave me to dead. I don't know. There's a lot of crazy people out there, too. There are. Yeah. So we have to be careful sometimes. Not just women, but men too. Because men can be raped just as much as a woman can. Yes, they can. It's um, it's unfortunate that we have to take those steps. But I again, becoming part of the community, getting to know people, I think is your best bet overall. People tend to talk. They tend to, to if you're good at something, the word gets around. If you're bad at something, word gets around. And... People tend to be able to tell you really quickly if somebody is safe to play with. I don't know about you, Ritzcracker, but I get messages all the time from either small events or, um, well, usually small events. They're saying, hey, this person wants to teach a class on this. Do they know their stuff? And honestly, sometimes I have to tell them, you know what? I've never seen them do that type of play. But most of the time I go, oh, yeah, no, they do that all the time. I see them. They're very safe. Uh, and I'll be honest with them. So that will get around in the community that you know your stuff. Like if, so, if I, I'll bet you that if somebody said to you, hey, uh, Ritz Cracker, does Rope Squirrel know his suspension stuff? He wants to teach a class. You'd probably be like, uh, no. No, he's a Rope Squirrel, which means he likes to get tied up. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> he's not good at topping it, but he's good at bottoming it. So that would be an example that, you know, just in, in passing. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing 
for people to say, well, yeah, I just I wouldn't let them do that to me or something like that. It's it's perfectly fine for your community to have these conversations. And of course, the more you do it, the better you are at it, the more your community will recognize you for it. I have people who are good at rope, whips, wax, sensual play, electrical play, everything you can possibly think of. And I know that they know their stuff. Also, if you don't have a community, like some people I know are not going to have communities, make sure that you have somebody who knows that a stranger's coming to your house or someone you haven't met or like you, you're planning on doing stuff with. Like, I'm going on this hot date with them. Please text me and make sure I'm okay. Things like that so that you have someone there around. So if something does happen to you, you will have a support system to come and take you to like the hospital or somewhere safe. Or do safety calls, is that what you mean? Yeah, something like that. It's just, it's the same thing as dating. I guess, you you know, you go on a blind date and you're like, okay, please text me and make sure I'm okay. Or I'm going to text you if I need out, so call me. Like, things like that, so. Exactly. Always be safe because you never know who's going to be out there. At least at public events, you've got the benefit of usually the venue and the, like, the DMs protecting you in some way. It's a glorified singles bar. It's it's what the clubs and, and the BSM scene usually is until you find somebody, of course. And when you start first playing with somebody, start with the basics. Like, if I'm doing a suspension, I always do floor work first before I suspend somebody because, you know, I want them to get used to my ties, used to the way the rope feels, because once they're up in the air, it's a completely different experience and it can actually, and if there's not that communication built already, I can actually seriously hurt somebody. So I want to make sure that everything is covered from the beginning instead of like, oh, I, cool, you're a brand new person. I'm going to throw you up in the air now. Woo, you're done. I mean, some people do that. Don't get me wrong, because it's a thing that happens. But if you're not in a public space, or you're doing this in your home, or you're doing this in places you don't know, it's always a good thing to do is start with the basics and move from there. And if you're embarrassed about asking people about who's good at what, it's not, again, it's not a 100% for sure, but I would recommend looking at the, if your area has tasting events. Generally, the community picks people who know their stuff for the different stations that they do. And I know of tasting events in just about every state um, and because they want to get more people involved. So that person doing the electrical station, the needle station, the flogging station, they pretty much should probably know their stuff. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been asked to do it. Um, so if you're embarrassed to ask about people, that's a pretty good indicator that those people know their stuff. Well, my listeners, we're at the end of our show. And I wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon now. Isn't that very exciting, Ritzy? Yeah, really. Yeah, you should check it out. If you are interested, there's a lot of great rewards. Some of the rewards end up being joining our Discord with a special title that you get to show everybody that you're you're one of our special people. But at some of the higher level rewards, we have gift boxes, we have show directors, we have a lot of awesome stuff that if you're interested. And it would go a long way towards supporting us. And we now have a goal. If we reach a certain amount... We will do hour-long shows and add by adding two additional questions to each show. So with your support, we'll get there and we will achieve that goal and you'll get more more Ritzy, right? Yeah, and more and, me. And me. Because <laughs> then it gets me actually to schedule more times to record instead of working because I am a workaholic, come to find out. And... For our listeners as well, you can always leave us comments. You can leave us questions on the comments. You can always suggest talk for different topics you want to hear about on the comment page. I mean, I know that we have some great listeners out there, so 
leaving your comments is always a benefit to us too so we know where our audience would like us to take things and if you don't feel comfortable posting it for everyone to see feel free to email us podcast at kinkinthechain.com we are always ready to listen to your feedback or suggestions and as always stay kinky my friends check us out on the web at kinkinthechain.com follow us on twitter at kinkchainshow or call us at 804-404-KINK we don't bite Unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future show? Send your emails to podcast at kinkinthechain.com.